Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week and a victory Monday here at the NovaCare Complex as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 110. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films in our second chat after the Eagles win. Let's talk about what went right, a little bit of what went wrong in the win over the Washington Redskins, and preview the upcoming matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. This week on Scouting Report, we're going to break down one of the young star players on that Kansas City Chiefs defense. But before we get into all that, let's talk with Greg Cosell right here in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Really excited to get into it as NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell joins me here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Greg, appreciate the time here. It's Monday night. It's an Eagles victory Monday. So uh, I know how much that impacts your schedule, but definitely impacted mine. Yes. Uh, definitely excited to, to get things going, especially on a positive note, the Eagles starting 1-0. You know, it was an odd game, Fran. It was in many ways a sloppy game uh, for the Eagles to some degree. But when you go on the road, against a division rival, and you can come away with a win, that's that's what you need to do. Uh, in December, when we're tallying up rankings exactly. and, and seeing what, uh, you know, what the standings look like, we're not going to be worried about uh, how this game looked. It, it was a W on the scorecard, so hey, uh, a, that's a, huge. A bloop is as good as a line drive in the box score. That's right. It, it's a know, it hits the ground before somebody catches it. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so let, let's start with Carson Wentz. That, that's the big topic, yeah. obviously, and it's going to be the big topic all year long. Uh, the second-year quarterback may, you know, may, making his first start this season – what did you see from Carson? What were some of the good things, some of the bad? i tell you, one of the first things I noticed, and I don't know if you did, I thought that his delivery was much tighter. I thought yeah, that, that's a good point. You know, I thought that the way his carriage was, which is how he holds the ball as he's dropping back, led to him throwing the ball with a tighter, a little more compact delivery, and I thought the ball came out well. I thought that there, there's a few throws that I know he'd like to have back, basically routine throws that you can't miss. And that has to be continued to work on. Uh, but what we saw is what a lot of people talked about, and you and I talked about when he came out of college, was his ability to make plays outside of structure. And we saw that with the, the touchdown to Aguilar and, and the big pass play to Ertz in the fourth quarter, which even though they didn't score on the drive, changed field position and ultimately, I think, helped wrap up the game. Uh, you know, those plays are, are critical. And you lose sight of the fact, or I do anyway, when you watch him do that, at how big he is, right. because he's not a he's not a thick built kid. You know, he like for instance, a lot of people that I talked to, coaches compared him to Andrew Luck when Wentz came out, but he's not built like that. Luck is a thicker build. Wentz might weigh the same, but he's built a little more angularly. Yeah, and and that, his movement I think reflects that. You know what's interesting too, and one of the things I thought of this morning as going after going through the tape and just thinking like. You look at his third down numbers, and he, he was 9 of 11 on right. third down. He threw two scores. You know, he's perfect quarterback rating, I think. And you see him against pressure. Again, good against pressure. In the red zone, he's one for one with a touchdown pass. 
I go back to last. He goes the two-minute drive at the end of the first half. Big. Situational football yep. Yep. has been something where, yeah, he's had his ups and downs. Sure. You know, it's, but you'd we're, expect we're that. We're 17 games in. Exactly. Uh, and it, you, know, you see the ups and downs, and you see, yeah, he's a young quarterback. And there's still no consistent run game. Sure. But situational football? is a strength for him. Yes. And that's something where you kind of see younger quarterbacks tend to go. I remember you and I talked about this during training camp. Uh, you watched a red zone period and how sharp he was yes. in the red zone, yes. how decisive he was. When the, when the lights get bright and when you need him to, to step up, he's able to step well, up and make good decisions and get rid of the football. That goes back to college. I remember we did that play. It was a winning touchdown against Northern Iowa. Yeah. Where he changed the play at the line of scrimmage. What were the, No timeouts. I think they were, what, less than – 30 seconds to go, whatever maybe, it was, whatever yeah. it was. And you saw the poise, the composure, the awareness, the understanding. See, that to me is what game management is. When they call a quarterback a game manager, obviously we know that's a bad connotation these days. But to me, that's what game management really is, understanding, controlling the game situation at the time. Right. That's what the great quarterbacks do. You know, every situation presents its own challenges and therefore its own solutions. And he's shown the ability to find the solutions, at least mentally. Yeah, and it's certainly one of the areas where he has certainly has stood out most. And you, you look at some of the poise, uh, throw, some of the poise that he showed throughout the course of the game, going back to last year. And it's funny, we have gone a year without seeing him, and we see him in the preseason, right. we see the little flashes. But then you see those those moments, you know, when he when he breaks the pocket and rolls to his left and makes a throw, falling away fifty yards downfield to to Nelson Aguilar. You see him hang in the pocket and make a throw, an outbreaking route to Zach Ertz, and you and you see some of those throws. Right. It reminds you, you know, this kid, he's, he's pretty talented. good. He's pretty good. And the throws I like just as much, obviously, which may not seem that big a deal. But we saw two uh, two routes in this game called seven stop. I love that uh, route. First drive of the second half, he hits Torrey Smith, and, and he's able to turn it up for for uh, 30 yards. Then late in the fourth quarter, I think with about five minutes to go. Clutch situation. Clutch situation. He sticks it right on Jeffrey between the one and the seven on a seven stop as well. And, you know, those throws to me, those are NFL throws. Those are the throws you have to make. Yeah, no question about it. I, the other throw that stood out to me too, uh, I didn't put it in my piece today, but – the uh, the Darren Sproles on the angle route. There were a couple oh, defenders there yeah, underneath. Yeah. He had the the linebacker running into that zone, and it was a it was a tight throw. He's able to stick it and, in, and that's why the accuracy to me is something that really needs to be cleaned up because we know he's capable of that. Yep. I mean, the throws we just discussed were were throws right between the numbers of his receivers, and not easy throws. Yep. And then he just for some reason will miss a few that are routine, really routine throws. And if he could just clean those up. I think you'll be looking at a guy who could be a 65, 66% uh, completion guy. Yeah, and then we saw some of those deep shots. You know, the Eagles didn't. He missed a few of those. He missed one deep. He missed one short. Uh, Uh, He missed two deep. One was underthrown to Torrey, and then he he overthrew him twice. Torrey Smith ran by Josh Norman. Right, no question. I'm trying to think of what the other uh, second. What's the second over? The second one he overthrew him. I'm almost certain it was in the second half. Oh, I mean, I'm, he I'm overthrew him, but and, he, and and but twice Torrey Smith ran by Norman like yeah. he wasn't there. Yeah, and when you see uh, the Eagles' willingness to keep going back to it, they're they're going to hit on these shots. They throw out their well, they're the going to keep doing. Them. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's that, a big part. That's of the why offense. Torrey Smith is here. Right. Yeah. No question. And I think that the willingness to do them. It's just like the run game. Yep. It, it keeps defenses yep. honest. It keeps it so that they're not going to load up and, and attack the line of scrimmage. And I think you'll even see Mac Hollins get a few of those shots because he played, I didn't count the snaps. Eight snaps. Eight snaps. Yep. I think he'll get, each game will be different, obviously. Sure. But I think there could be games he gets 15 snaps. Yep. 
and we saw the, the that seven stop. Actually, you mentioned Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Mac Hollins streaking down that sideline. Well, that's what I loved about it yeah. is he ran that route as if he was going to get the ball so many t- Because really, that play is designed for him just to lift the coverage. Yep. Rarely does that guy get the ball, yep. but he ran that route as if he was going to get the ball. Yeah, and when you talk about those clear-out routes, we go back to the, the first touchdown of the season, the opening drive. Carson Wentz becoming the, the first Eagles quarterback to ever uh, start a season with an opening drive touchdown. There's a little bit of, a, of history for you, Greg. But uh, Didn't he do it last year against the Browns? Two years in oh, a row. Oh, two years in a row, the, yeah, the yeah. The key number, the key oh, fact y- I was forgetting. Yes, that. yes, I was um, going to say, I thought he did that last yeah, year. Yeah, to start it uh, yeah. two years in a row. Yeah. But the the first play to, to Aguilar, he was meant to stretch the field. We talked about that after oh, the yeah. game on the All-22 review. He was meant to stretch the field. wasn't even a part of the progression. No, no. And you see him uncover. You see him work open. He's in sync with Carson, gets to the sideline, works downfield, and makes a big play. And you made a great point on that on that play, even though it ended up being a touchdown to Aguilar. We talked about in the All-22 review that he stayed on Ertz a little too long, and you made the point it might have been a seven-stop, and he thought that he could uncover because, really, if it wasn't a seven-stop, then he stayed too long because he really had the high-low on the other side where he should have gone when he saw that Ertz was covered by Josh Norman. Yeah, but that's what I kind of wondered. I'd be interested. We'd only know about finding out what the play call was. Exactly. It looked like it was going to be a seven-stop unless Zach cut it off because he felt like he was covered. Uh, And if that's the case, he may have thought, you know, he, he might break this open because the seven stop is ultimately it's, it's a double move for all right. intents and purposes. I mean, he looks like he's going to break to the corner and then he just throttles down. And, he, and, he and you like to him. use it with big body receivers because very often what happens is you're not necessarily winning by separation. You're winning because you can box him out. Yep. And when yeah. you have so many corner routes, and every NFL offense has corner routes built in. Right, right, right. Offense. It's not like the Eagles are special. But when you have so many of those built in, that really kind of helps complement yep. that corner stop. So uh, a lot of really good things to see from Carson Wentz, this Eagles pass game. Uh, let's talk about the run game. Yeah, and it was it was tough in terms of getting things going. They they ran a, a lot of different trap plays up front. Just talk, just big picture. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily yeah. just from this week, but uh, what you've seen from a Legarrette Blunt over the course of his career, what you've seen from a Wendell Smallwood up to this point. You know, it'll be interesting to see if they can get this run game going and how important it will be. We know it's important to get this thing going for Carson. Yeah, and I think that there were a couple of plays. And in the second half, and you and I discussed this watching the game together, where I thought that the hole was there, and I thought that Blunt should have gotten more. And I think he's going to have to do that as the season progresses. We know why he's here. He's not a big playback. He's not here to, you know, for explosive twenty-five yard runs. But what he is here for is to get six, seven-yard runs. Right. And there were a couple of times I thought that was there for him to get, and he didn't get it. And and he's going to have to get those. Smallwood, you know, the game played out where obviously Doug felt that he didn't want to call out of running plays. That's not going to happen every week. There'll be weeks he'll call running plays. Yep. I still believe Smallwood can be a big factor in this offense. There was the one pass on third down Huge play. where they, they, uh, he started in the backfield and then they, they split him out to the uh, slot to the boundary and they got the matchup they wanted against the linebacker. And it was maybe a four-yard gain, but I think it was third and two. Yep. I mean, that's, those are critical plays in games. It was a must-have play because that right. was after the Jalen Mills interception. So Correct. You needed that first down. To well, you needed the field position element even yep. if you weren't going to score. Exactly. Um, but I think Smallwood can be... You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's Devonta Freeman, but I think in an ideal world, he can be an eight or nine carry guy, and he can be a guy that theoretically could catch three or four passes. You know, uh, and and maybe I'm thinking about him too much, but I liked his tape coming out of West Virginia, and I think that he provides that element. 
Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how the timeshare uh, for the running backs works throughout the course of the season. I liked a lot of the trap schemes, trap schemes that we saw up front for this Eagles offense. It was a run that we saw a good amount last, last year. year, not a yeah. ton, but we yeah. saw we saw a good amount of it. Works really well against aggressive front seven. So you get those guys playing upfield. You use the angles to your advantage, and you got guys coming from the side from their side and blocking. Yeah, them depending down. on on what personnel they use it out of, you might not see it much against the Chiefs because they, if they're in base, there'll be a three four. Yep. And normally, normally you trap a three technique. Normally, yeah, right. you know, there's different ways to do it, obviously, sure. depending on fronts. But normally you trap a three technique, which is part of a four three front. Yep. And what was interesting, too, is you had the trap element, which is when you pull a, a lineman out and you have him block an interior lineman. But then also you had the wham element, too, where a tight end, a wing where a, a Zach Ertz or a Brent right. Selleck would then also block an interior line. That, I think, you, create a lot of that I think you might see. That, and then we yeah. saw that a bunch this week. Yeah. So we'll see if we see it against. But Kansas again, City if you Chiefs. run it out of eleven, you know you're going to get the four three look anyway. So yep. that's it can still work. Exactly right. So uh, we'll definitely be interesting to see uh, offensive line wise. What, what were your thoughts watching this Eagles O line? Some missing pieces in terms yeah. of you know Jason Peters stepped out for yep. a little bit. What were your overall thoughts watching? Uh, that? I think they have to get overall better. You know, without it's not a matter of one individual. It wasn't as if we saw one individual get getting Thousand beat. Percent agree. Yep. But I just think they have to be better in pass protection. Look, we know because Doug Peterson comes from the Andy Reid tree that at its core, this is a passing offense. Not that he doesn't want to run it, but this is not an offense that starts by running the football. Right. So they're going to throw, and they're going to have to pass protect overall better. And, you know, we'll see what Jason Peters' situation is, a groin. You know, those muscle injuries can last or they can be okay. Yep. We don't know. If that's the case, I assume it'll be Vitae. Yeah. And then you have a challenge this week because you're going to have Justin Houston and D Ford. You're going to have a challenge this week. Yeah, no question. We'll we'll talk. We'll get to that Chiefs defense in a bit. But first, let's talk about this Eagles defense. Uh, bringing the heat. We saw yep. we saw more blitzing than uh, a lot of the blitzing we saw this summer during the preseason, but certainly more than we saw a year ago uh, in Jim Schwartz's first year here. But the front four as well yeah. didn't necessarily need the blitz. The front no. four was dominant in this game. Yeah, very much so. And I think look. You saw a lot of different looks. You saw Brandon Graham line up a number of snaps at defensive tackle, which he's done before. Um, you know, but you saw Fletcher Cox be very effective. It, you know, it, it's it's a good group. You saw Jernigan. I mean, he's he's very very quick. He's load, man. Yeah, he's tough. Yep. Um, you know, Barnett and Long. They always played together. Uh, you know, I think Derek Barnett to me. And, and and we both like Derek Barnett. That's not the point, but he's in the NFL now. And, and I this was a little bit of a welcome to the NFL game because when he was matched up against Trent Williams, it, it was not so easy for him. Yeah, and you saw – I was interested to watch him because we didn't notice him much watching live. And so in going back right. and seeing, okay, he played you know a bunch of snaps yeah. in the game. You, you see him – the one play that really stood out to me, he – knifed into the backfield against a power run play, right. met the pulling guard in the backfield, completely blew the play up and came in for a tackle for loss. And then late in the game, it was garbage time, but late in the game, he beat Trent Williams clean off right. the corner. Grab, he had Cousins by the toe, and Cousins ended up leaking out. But, uh, yeah, I, I would agree. There was definitely there, a little there bit were, of a welcome yeah. to the NFL game. But well. I, I think if you're a defensive – if you're Jim Schwartz, you feel good about this game for a couple of reasons. You lose Ronald Darby, okay? So you start out – it, because that's in the in the was that the first quarter or the second quarter? That was the I want to say it was the second quarter. Okay. So so because you didn't have the halftime yet, you end up by putting Robinson outside and Malcolm Jenkins in the slot, and you play the rest of the first half that way. Then you go into halftime and you say, you know what, we're going to make a change. We'd like to keep Patrick Robinson in the slot. We'd like to keep Jenkins at safety because we've got the tight end matchup that we really need Jenkins for, and we're going to put Jalen Watkins out at corner at at. Um, 
left corner. Yep. And and because they don't they don't flop corners, so right. he, you know Mills plays on the right. And you had to be really happy with the way Jalen Watkins played. I mean, one time on that bang eight kind of throw to Pryor where he caught it with room to run, but other than that, corners are going to give up those plays. Yeah, Jalen Watkins plays are was so not tough. a liability at all. Yeah, and Patrick Robinson, I thought fared well. He, well too. The, the one deep ball, I mean, he played as well as you can play it. No question. Pressed his man in the line of yeah. scrimmage, got yep. turned, found the ball, was in position. I mean, he was in phase the whole way. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how you, that's how you draw it up. And we saw them blitz more. And we saw particularly those those what I call far red zone blitzes, blitzes sort of from the 15 to the 20-yard line. Uh, that's how they got the interception, the Mills interception. But they had another one a little earlier in the game where uh, Mills knocked it down on a pass to Pryor. You know, I think they're going to be a little more aggressive, selectively aggressive. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting to see uh, the number of blitzes that we saw. Uh, from a couple different angles, we saw a little bit of zone exchange in terms of defensive ends dropping out. That yep. was certainly a factor in the Fletcher Cox sack fumble uh, early in the game. I think it was in the opening possession yes, for the defense. Yes. Um, and what's great about that, when you see those kind of blitzes, is that we mentioned this in the L22 review. When you've got those overload type of blitzes, the, def- or the offensive line, if they see it coming, they're going to slide the protection that right. direction. And when you have Fletcher Cox on the other well, side, then you get one-on-one on the back one-on-one. side. That's yeah. what you want. The other thing we saw was blitzes at a base 4-3, so yeah. they used Michael Kendricks as an edge blitzer, and we know that's what he does best. It's one of his strengths, yeah. absolutely. So uh, the blitzing absolutely was there. You saw the front four getting pressure. Uh, I thought Jordan Hicks showed up well. I thought Nigel Bradham uh, had a solid game as well. You look at on the back end, we saw a bunch of Corey Graham in certain situations, and then you see Malcolm Jenkins as solid as always. Jalen Mills. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the one pass breakup makes a great play on the ball. Right. We'd like to see him be in a little bit better position in the start of the snap, but uh, made a great play on the ball. Interception was was set up by the blitz, but good good job finishing. And overall, coming downhill, made some really nice tackles on the flat as well. Yeah, and I thought because they they pressured more, they, they've given R- Rodney McLeod a little more responsibility yeah. because in those red zone, you know, uh, zero blitzes, I think on one of them he had Crowder, on another one he had Reed. So they're giving him a little more man-to-man responsibility, which, by the way, he can handle. Oh, yeah. I know you were a big fan of him and uh, what, he, yeah. what his skill set yeah. was uh, with the Rams. Now, they're going to have a big challenge this week with this Chiefs offense because uh, a lot of different layers, and they were put on prime time, first game of the year, so everybody's all excited about uh, this Kansas City Chiefs offense. And really it's, it kind of starts with two players. You have Travis Kelsey at tight end, one of the most dynamic options at that position in the NFL, and you have Tyree Kill, one of the most explosive receivers in, this, in the NFL in terms of his ability to line up anywhere and beat you vertically. And you know what? Well, Kelsey's not necessarily going to beat you vertically, although he can. He can line up anywhere, too. Yes. So they really have two guys in the pass game that can line up anywhere. How about running inverted veer on the third play of the season with uh, with Travis Kelsey with a speed option play? With oh, yeah, I mean, well, that's Andy. He does, <laughs> he does all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's a difficult matchup. Um, you know, if the Eagles play man, you're going to see Malcolm Jenkins on Kelsey. Uh as we just discussed, they don't switch sides with corners. So, you know, assuming it's Jalen Watkins again, and I think it will be, no reason to believe otherwise, you'll see Watkins and Mills both have to match up to Hill. And the Chiefs will take some shots because I like Mills. I love his competitiveness. I've always liked Watkins as a player. But neither one has what you'd call uh, desirable corner speed. You know, right. that, that would I think Mills can become a fine player, but that's the one thing he you'd say ideally he's lacking. Well, so they'll be tested. And, that, and that's why I think it'll be interesting to see how this, te- this game is played defensively because 
Uh, one of the things with the Jim Schwartz scheme of you know maybe not blitzing as much is that it gives you more versatility in what you're able right. to do and how you're able to, to use your defenders yep. on the back end. So will they double Tyree Kill at certain points? Will they double uh, Travis Kelsey at certain points? Use those extra defenders on the back end to kind of give those guys help. And now it gets into the chess match because yep. – Obviously, when, when Andy Reid dials up a vertical route by Hill, he's hoping, of course, that the coverage is such that there's not a safety over the top. Yep. You know, and obviously the Eagles are, are trying to match and, and feel like, hey, when Andy dials that up, we do have the safety over the top. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. This, this matchup, uh, the defense versus the eye, is going to be – I mean, it's going to be the biggest we can't, one in the game. We can't forget Kareem Hunt because no. he ran – You and I both liked him last r- year. A lot, yeah. a lot. And I actually know someone who I respect tremendously in in player personnel who actually thought Kareem Hunt had similar traits to Emmitt Smith. Wow. And and now, again, you know, we're just talking traits. We're not suggesting. Don't tweet that. Yeah, right away. Why have you not tweeted that? Exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt ran exceptionally well against New England. Uh, you saw the kind of runner he is. There's there's a deceptive toughness and physicality to the way he runs. He makes the first man miss. On such a consistent and basis. has really good contact balance. Yeah, he does I, not go down when people get their first hold of him. No question. And so th- there's a perfect example of a guy that gets nine yards when it seems like it's a four yard run. Yep. And we saw the pass catching ability, which he didn't do a ton of in college. Enough, enough where we kind of knew he was a pretty good receiver. Yep. But that touchdown he caught against New England, where the seam route, where he he ran by linebacker Cassius Marsh. That that's. You don't see a lot of backs run that route. When we talked about his strengths coming out of Toledo, his versatility as a yeah. pass catcher and yeah. able to win vertically wasn't in the top no, 10. No, no. I mean, you, we saw him catch flat routes and screens, but we didn't see that. Yeah, no question. Uh, when you see just – and it, really that play was a factor of the of all the other pieces of that offense. You saw the jet yep. action from Tyreek Hill suck the safety up and, turn, and they had to yep. kind of switch in the back end. Now Eric Rowe's got to rotate to as a safety – and he reacts to Travis Kelsey running the over route. Now there's no one in the middle of the field. Absolutely. Runs in the void. Yep. yep. So, and, and that's what Andy Reid has always been good at, dialing up plays that break down a specific defense. He's really good at that. When you look at this front seven, what, what are some of the things that go through? You have some talented players. Some guys that are getting a little older. Some guys that aren't household names. Eagles fans aren't necessarily as familiar with some of them. Because they're in the AFC, AFC West. Yeah. Uh, so what are your thoughts going through this front seven? Well, you got to start with D. Ford and Justin Houston. Because these two guys can really rush the quarterback. And Houston is a great run player. Mm. That's the thing about he's his good game. against the run against New yeah, England. That, yeah. that's, that's often overlooked because mm. he's a big man for an outside linebacker. You know, he's not one of those small, quick, 235-pound outside backers. He's right. a 250-pound-plus guy, and he can set the edge. He can play off blocks. I mean, he had that one play, which I'm, I know you saw, where he basically spilled it to himself yeah. and made a great play. Yep. You know, he's, he's really good. Ford is more of the pass rusher. You know, he's, he's not as good a run player, but they're really dynamic as pass rushers. We've seen them line them up on the same side, creating one-on-one matchups, one guy versus the guard, the other guy versus the tackle. That can cause problems. Yep. Um, Derek Johnson, still after all this time, not quite the athlete he was five or six years ago, but a really good, savvy, smart player. Yeah, no question. And then you have uh, Chris Jones up front as a second-year player. Kind of a freak show in terms yeah. of what he can be athletically. He's six six. I want to say he's like two ninety five. Oh, I think he might, he might be, be, more. be more than that. I think he was two ninety five coming out. Um, I thought at the combine he might have been like three ten. Uh, I'm about to go back yeah. and look, yeah. but I, I know I'm going to do the scouting report. But on he's him pretty good. Bit. But he he's he when I watched him and it was funny. Like I had my mental picture of how I saw him, and then going back and looking at my notes preparing for the podcast, I'm like, man, I kind of liked him more than I thought. But 
I remember him being a flash player, and then I'd see there would be like some players where he would like loaf, and you'd question the motor, and then you'd see him just fly into the back. I remember his first step for a you guy know, that, that big was so impressive. I got to tell you, one thing that I was taught about five or six years ago by a former GM who's a friend of mine, and he said, you got to be careful with college defensive linemen, particularly defensive tackles, who play in college maybe 75 or 80 snaps a game. You have to be careful judging them on their – play-to-play competitiveness because they're never going to play 75 or 80 snaps a game in the NFL. Right. The guy he was talking about at the time was Kawan Short, mm, who came out yep. of Purdue. And I remember saying to him, boy, I watched Kawan Short, and I feel like there's a lot of plays. I don't see great effort. Yep. And he said, forget about that. Mm. He's playing every play. That's not going to happen in the NFL. And I think Jones is another one of those guys. He's not playing every snap. Yep. So when he plays, you don't see – you know, the, the, the lack of competitiveness that seemed to be a part of his game in Mississippi State. Yeah, it's, a, it's, re, it's really interesting, that, you know, just kind of seeing him pro- develop and hi- seeing him progress. Then you look at the back end. Marcus Peters is – And he only really plays on the left side, though. Yes, yeah. no question, but he's now, really good. <laughs> we, obviously, we have to address Eric Berry, but keep one thing in mind, that other than certain tight ends, okay, Gronkowski obviously being one of them, Berry is not the automatic tight end matchup. If you watch Chiefs tape over the past couple of years, Ron Parker will play the tight end man-to-man. Sorensen will play the tight end man-to-man. I would ex- and, and by the way, Parker, about three or four years ago, was their nickel slot corner. Right. So he's got corner experience, and I believe he'll be the man-to-man matchup on Zach Ertz. Yeah, and so it's not like, that for Eagles fans listening, that's... It's not like the Chiefs are like, oh, we lost Eric Berry. What do we? What do we do now? Right. So to think that oh, Zach Ertz is going off ten catch, I mean, Which hey, he, he might still he might because right, they yeah. throw him the ball and right. they do a really nice job of moving him around. Yep. But Ron Parker can match up and cover tight ends man to man. What do you think of these corners on the other side of of Peters? Because yeah, you have Phil yeah. Gaines. You've got I thought the, the Terrence Oregon Mitchell kid, last Mitchell. year down yep. the stretch played really well. I thought, you know, in some ways in that first game, the, the Chiefs put the hat on Mitchell and Gaines because they were gonna they were playing man to man. Yeah, they were. And and so they put the hat because you know Peters is Peters and you, and they felt very comfortable with Barry on Gronk. But so therefore, who was wearing the hat? Gaines in the slot. Yep. And Mitchell on the outside. And Gaines struggled early, but I thought he stayed in and was competitive. He's a competitive kid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's ideal for the slot. They, they that's where they want Stephen Nelson to play, but yeah. he's he's on I, IR he's or pop, pop or whatever or yeah, he is. But he's, he's not playing this week. Right. I thought he played well in the slot last year, and I really liked him coming out of Oregon State. Yeah, I remember Stephen Nelson. Yeah, Yeah, and um, so Gaines is not ideal. Mitchell, I thought, was also a little up and down against New England, but he played very well for the last six, seven games. In fact, he essentially beat out Gaines. Yeah, it's going to be – it'll be interesting to see how these these two units match up because uh, I think – you know, obviously the injury to Barry, one, notwithstanding, I think that there are matchups the Eagles can win uh, in the middle of the field. But then also, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they match up on the outside yep. as well, on the, on that right side. So uh, it should be a very interesting game. We'll be watching it together here at the Novacare Complex. Greg, appreciate the time here on Chalk Talk. Thanks, Fran. Always enjoy it. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do at Greg Cosell on Twitter. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That's one way to support the show, but the other is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating, or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out this week to CMart6780, who gave us some love on Twitter. 
loves the podcast, loves all the articles and all the tweets on Twitter. So wanted to give some love to C-Mart. So all of you out there as well, thank you for your continued support of this show and all of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep the show going. We talked about this Chiefs defense, and we talked a little bit about Chris Jones. He's the topic of our, of our scouting report this week. Let's get to that now. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Chris Jones coming out of Mississippi State. Greg was right, 6'6", even 310 pounds. High school basketball player. He was a big-time football recruit, and he ended up at Mississippi State. He was a really impressive-looking kid. Lined up as a 0-1 technique and a 3-4 front, so inside at nose tackle, and he would slide out as a 3 technique and when they would go into an even front. So he had some position versatility. He would line up off the edge as a, as a stand-up rusher at times, uh, like Fletcher Cox did, ironically, actually, at Mississippi State. He times the snap really well, and he was almost always – the first man off the ball. In one-gap situations, he would fire off the ball, good pad level, and run the shoot. He'll stay square to the line of scrimmage, and he used his hands really well in the run game. Strong grip, the ability to control blocks at the point of attack, and I thought he showed up really well, showed the ability to be a two-gap player. So I wasn't surprised at all to see him get drafted onto a 3-4 team because even though he had that first-step quickness, he also had that ability to win at the point of attack. He'll strike and get his eyes up, stack and shed at the point. And I thought he was a really impressive player. Solid athlete, especially for his size. I thought he moved pretty well as a pass rusher. He had a couple moves in his repertoire, but I wanted to see him get a little bit better. I thought that sometimes he played high in college, and I thought that's carried through to the NFL level. You'll see a little bit where he plays a little bit high as a two-gap player. Not really uh, a player that was a really polished pass rusher at the college level. I think that's carried over as well. I thought he was more of a, of a flash player as a pass rusher, but you see the ability, watching him now in Kansas City, the ability to be a consistent disruptor. Uh, and I mentioned uh, there were times where I was worried about his urgency and his motor, didn't see the killer instinct all the time, and that, that was the most uh, one of the big questions I had about him coming out of Mississippi State. But the kid has turned into a really interesting player. I went back and I mentioned that Looking at my final write-up on him, I, maybe I liked him a little bit more than I remember. Long, athletic kid with scheme and position versatility. Jones was moved around as a chess piece in MSU's defense and could be that kind of guy in the NFL. His motor worried me, but he's got a strong first step for a big guy, knows what he's doing as a run defender, and he offers enough upside as a disrupting pass rusher, interior pass rusher, that he's one of the more intriguing players in this draft, regardless of defensive scheme. Jones physically has everything to be a quality starter in the NFL, but on tape, he didn't appear to have that killer instinct that you'd want in the trenches. If he can overcome that and improve with his hands, he should reach his potential. Otherwise, I saw him as a rotational three technique. Well, he's reached that potential. He's turned into a really disruptive player up front for this Chiefs team that this Eagles defense or this Eagles offensive line is going to have to account for. So great stuff from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And again, if you get the time, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Do not be afraid to leave a question on there too. I'd love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. If there's ever anything specific you want me to hit on in depth, I will absolutely take requests. So wherever you listen, just go shoot us a comment and we will hit on it here on the show. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.